You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Hey, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just super excited to be able to spend some time with you guys uh, to get to preach and um, just hang out for a few minutes. So uh, how you guys doing? Y'all good? I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a while. I was gone for a couple Sundays. Um, I've missed you guys. Missed being up here, seeing all you guys. I was going to wear one of my Sawground t-shirts, um, but it was dirty, and so that's why I'm not wearing it. And my wife just bought me this sweatshirt, so I'd be a bad husband if I didn't do it. I didn't wear it. But hey, I want to let you guys know again about the basket drive we have coming up on next Sunday. We are just collecting... Um, goodies like Red Bulls and Monsters and cookies and chips and all these type of things. We're trying to keep it pre-packaged, COVID-friendly snacks for the people who um, are working Black Friday. I've never worked retail a day in my life, and uh, but I enjoy being one of the people who goes out on Black Friday. I don't ever buy anything. Like, I just, I enjoy chaos. Um, one time somebody said, like, everyone, everything was going crazy, and I was just totally fine and, like, relaxed. And they're like, how are you fine? I was like, I thrive in this environment. Like, if it's not crazy, I'm not having a good time. Um, so we, we just really want to bless the community um, and just uh, bless the outlets and bring them snacks just to help them get through the, uh, the crazy time of year, the crazy holiday season. I'm the per- type of person who just, like, goes to, like, the dollar movie bin that's been there year-round and, like, act like I'm looking for something, and then I just leave. But uh, so that's next, uh, that's next Sunday, the 21st, and we're going to be delivering those things on the 24th. So if you have any questions, you can ask me or Rob and Elizabeth, and I, if you ask me questions, I'm just going to lead you to Rob and Elizabeth. So uh, you can ask them. But uh, so, yeah, how many of you guys are big Thanksgiving people? You guys love Thanksgiving, a few of you? I'm like the type of person that I want to hit the delete button on Thanksgiving. Like, I want to go from 4th of July to Christmas. Like, and then 4th of July, my birthday, then Christmas, and then Easter. Like, we want to celebrate the birth of America, the birth of Josh, the birth of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. They're the four holidays I want to celebrate. Like, that's it. Or we can celebrate Levi's birthday, the birth of my son. We'll add him in there. That'll be, well, because he's going to have the same love language I have, which is gifts. Um, so I don't like Thanksgiving really at all. I like food. I like, that's about it. I like pumpkin pie, <laughs> like apple pie. But um, I don't, I just growing up, we never had big Thanksgivings. I always wanted one of those big movie Thanksgivings where everybody sits around the table and everyone is like holding their hands and they say grace and stuff like that. And in my family, everyone would sit down at six o'clock. We'd eat as fast as possible. I'd go back to my room to play Call of Duty. My brother would go back to his room to play whatever he was playing. And that was it. It was, it was a regular night in the Bell household. My family never really came together um, for Thanksgiving just because everyone lived in different places. We're the only, my family is the only family who lives in Delaware besides my grandparents. So no one wanted to travel. No one wanted to do anything. Everyone had young kids and me and my brother, like, by the time we were teenagers, my rest of my aunts and uncles had young kids, and me and my brother were like, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay home and be a miserable teenager and complain about something. But, um, and then I was telling my mom, like, oh, I'm going to open my message with saying I don't like Thanksgiving. She's like, she's like, why don't you? I said, well, because we never did anything. And she said, joke's on you. Everybody's coming to Thanksgiving for our house this year. And I'm like, gosh. Now i got to hang out with everybody. Um, 
I like, I want a reason not to like this holiday. I want to jump right into Christmas and the wreaths and, and the Christmas music and the presents and the snow and the presents and the cookies and the presents and all the good stuff about Christmas. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of Thanksgiving. And all that to be said, we're going to talk about how to give thanks today. Um, so we are going to be talking about what it looks like. I want to share a message with you guys called Joyful, Prayerful, and Thankful. Um, so we're going to pray. Maybe you could pray for me for God to open my heart to be open to Thanksgiving. Um, so let's pray together. Father God, we just um, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to have a safe place where we can open your scripture, God, that we can worship you, that we can find community and, and gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I just pray that this moment that I would um, not preach with eloquent words or worldly wisdom, but the power of Jesus. God, that these words would be your words and they would forget, and everyone would forget that they came from me. So, Father, I just ask you to move in this place. God, teach us something new about ourselves, about you, and about Scripture, and have us be more like Jesus when we leave this place. And everybody said, Amen. So, we are going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter. Five. And I think it's really important to understand a little bit of context every time you open up um, some scripture. And what we have to know about this is this is the first letter that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. I'm not good with these names. This is the first letter that he writes. There's 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. This comes at the end of his second uh, missionary journey. And uh, what happens is um, uh, the people in Thessalonica, it was a Roman, it was a capital of a Roman providence. And uh, in this area, the, the majority of the people either um, were part of the, Roman, the Greco-Roman pantheon or they worshipped the imperial, imperial cult. And so there wasn't a lot of Christian people. There were some Jewish people, um, but, but the Christians were definitely the minority in this area. And what happens is that Paul spent some time there. He founded the church in there, and then eventually he gets kicked out of the city. And he's not allowed to go back. So what he does is he sends Timothy to go back to the city. And then Timothy comes back to Paul. And Paul is in, um, they believe he's in Corinth at the time. And Timothy comes back and he gives him a, a report. And Paul writes this letter to the, Thessal uh, this first letter, First Thessalonians, to the city, um, to the church that he helped found. And I think it's super important to understand the world where these letters are coming from. Because I, I realize that at a certain point that, Scripture is written for us, but it's not written to us. That this was a real letter written to real people at a real time. That God wrote it to us. This isn't just like magically floated down from heaven one day and like just put in preacher's hands. But this was written to real people who are going through real things. So this has real context for those people who lived in the first century church. Um, one of my professors in college said that every time you open up one of Paul's writing, it's like you're reading somebody else's mail. That like you, you grabbed a letter from somebody else's mailbox and to understand what's going on, you have to understand the context of the life that they're living. And so for us, the, the piece of scripture we're going to read today, um, we really have to understand the context and the world that they are living in to really get the full grasp of what Paul's saying. So we're going to be in, like I said, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter, I mean, chapter 5, verses 15 through 22. So it says this. See that no one repays any evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit, 
Don't detest prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from evil, every evil, every form of evil. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. I think I read this, and it's just these quick little commands that Paul gives, like boom, boom, boom. And you know, almost like kind of just blow right past them if you're reading the, in, you know, First Thessalonians. You could just go right past it because it seems like a no-brainer to us. Like, oh, I should be joyful, I should be praying, and I should be thankful. But um, he's saying re- re- rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. And it seems almost impossible. And if I were writing it to my, for my life, I would realize and say, it should be rejoice sometimes, pray when I have time, and give thanks when I'm thankful. <laughs> the phone doesn't think I'm doing a good job. Um, I th- like, <laughs> how do I recover? Um, this seems to be impossible to me. Like I said, if I were to rewrite this, I would re- rewrite it. Rejoice when I'm joyful. Rejoice sometimes. Pray when I feel like I have time or something's frustrating me. Or, and, and give thanks when I have something to give thanks about. It seems like a better to fit with the lifestyle of the world we live in. And it feels impossible, but be joyful always. Never stop praying. Be thankful no matter what. It almost feels like you're asking me to, like, climb the Empire State Building, like, jump across the Grand Canyon and never eat Oreos. Like, it just seems like three things that I'm never going to be able to do, never going to be able to stop doing. But I believe that it is possible just based off this one line that Paul has. He says, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That Paul gives these commands and he expects them, I believe he fully expects them to live them out. They're just quick commands that we could look over, but he's saying that it is, it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus for you to rejoice always, to pray unceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances, that this is God's general will for your life, that this would be the lifestyle that you live, that this would be who you are, that you'd be a joyful person, a praying person, and a thankful person. It would be part of who you are. And for us, it seems super impossible like I said, it's really important to understand who this is being written to and the time that it's being written because the life that these first century Christians are living is a way harder life than we ever have experienced as Christians in America. That these people are going through real persecution that the Jewish and the Roman people don't want them meeting in their cities. They don't want them meeting in their synagogues. That, that they aren't being allowed to, um, to use their trades to 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 participate in the local economy. People are denying them the right to work, denying them the right to be paid, denying them the right to, to live in their society and in, in their towns. And there's people kicking pe- people out of their families because they are now following the way of Jesus. That they are living a hard time. There's Christians being killed because of their faith. They're going through real persecution, and Paul has the audacity to say, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. And I look at myself, and I, and I find it hard to be joyful when I need to be joyful. I find it hard to, to be focused when I'm trying to pray. I find it hard to be thankful when there's things to be thankful about, because we live in a world that just, my friend Mikey says that people just like to be miserable sometimes. And, I, and I'm like that too. 
Like I find something that makes me mad and it just makes me mad. And sometimes it's like the silliest thing in the world. And I just like, I have to remind myself the whole time that I'm mad. I'm like, this literally is not changing your day at all. Like that person who got in front of you right before the red light, like you're still going to get to the coffee shop in time. Like you're fine. Like you're already five minutes late. What's another five minutes? Like, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. So what does all this mean? What does it mean to be, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing and give thanks at all circumstances. So if you're writing notes, our first point is this, rejoice always. Rejoice always. So my first question when I look at this, I like to ask questions of the scripture when I read it. So what is, am I expected to always be joyful? Like, am I expected to always be chipper and smiling and like have a nice pep in my step like Pastor Bert always does? Um, He'll come in on like, I'm normally like a grumpy human being. Like, I seem nice right now, but midweek, I'm like, I uh, didn't sleep last night, uh, my coffee was cold, or, you know, um, and uh, I'm not the most chipper person, but Pastor Bert will come in, he'll be like, hey, good morning, how you doing? I'm like, oh my gosh, man, like, start over, can you be as angry as I am today? Like, it was just, we we're just going to get along, and he, was, you know, he acts like that, and then, then he pulls me out of it, and it's great, but my question is, am I expected to always be joyful? Am I expected to walk around with an upbeat personality and a smile? Am I supposed to be Ted Lasso? He's always happy no matter what it seemed like. And am I sinning if I'm not always rejoicing? If I'm not always joyful, am I, am I not living what God has for me? These are the questions that I ask when it says something like this. And Am I expected to be joyful when it doesn't seem like everything's going right? Should I be rejoicing when I have a flat tire? Should I be rejoicing when, when the refrigerator starts leaking all over the floor? Should I be rejoicing when I find the leak in the roof? Should I be rejoicing when um, nothing is working out the way that I thought it was going to work out? Should I be rejoicing always, even when it doesn't seem like there's anything to be joyful about? And I realize this, that sometimes we talk about joy and we only talk about the emotion, the feeling of joy. And I had this realization that we walk by faith, not by feelings. That we walk by faith, not by feelings. So and what Paul is saying, rejoice always, he's not saying to have this joyful demeanor always, not to always be joyful in like the feeling of joy because we know that that's not possible. Things happen. Hard things happen. That it seems like it's impossible to ever find your joy ever again but I believe it's possible to us to rejoice always. And I think this is how it is. In Philippians 4, 4, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your circumstances. Not in what's going on in your life. Not what you were hoping what was going to happen. But rejoice in the Lord. In Galatians 5, through 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against things that there is no law. We're called to rejoice always in what Paul is saying, that if we are in Christ, in that one quick little statement, that rejoice always, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We live in a world um, right now, and I get to see it all the time because I I spend a lot of time on social media, and everyone loves to tell me, and my wife's like, you're on TikTok again. I'm like, well, people are falling down, and it's funny. Um, 
But, um, but with all the funny stuff, there's also people trying to change thoughts. One of the big things on, on TikTok and on, on Instagram are um, people who are doing deconstruction Christianity. They're deconstructing and they're telling you why Christianity doesn't work and why it's all made up and all this stuff. And their arguments are never really that great. Like, it, and because they're walking by feelings and not by faith. But one of the things I realized is that everybody wants the benefits of following Jesus and being part of the church and being part of this community, but they don't want Jesus and they don't want the church and they don't want the community. That they're trying to live this life divorced from the one who makes all these things happen, but they want to, they want to benefit from this joy. They want this joy and they want to be thankful, but they don't want to be the one who brings them that joy and brings them that thankfulness. Then when I read this, it says, rejoice always, rejoice in the Lord always, is that I don't walk by feelings, I walk by faith, that my joy isn't in my circumstances, but it's in who God is. It's in who the one who died on the cross so that I could be free of my sin. It's knowing that no matter what, that I, that, that I know that God has what's best for me. That my life might be falling apart, but I know that God is way bigger than all the things that are going on right now. That God sees this problem, he, and he, he sees how it's going to happen, and he's going to preserve me through it because God loves me. See, my joy isn't found in what's going on, that my bank account is full and that my bills are paid or my car isn't making a weird noise any, anymore. It just stopped. But uh, it just, my joy isn't in all the things that are happening around me, but it's in the one who saved me. So rejoice in the Lord always. And the word for the word joy in Greek, it means this inner gladness, this, this inner delight. There's something that is happening inside of you. That we are in Christ, that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of following Jesus, the fruit of being full of the Holy Spirit. Joy is an inner gladness that comes out. See, first we have the faith, and then we'll eventually have the feelings. Because we are supposed to joy, have joy in the Lord. And I believe this, as we go to our next point, is Joy in the Lord comes from a deep trust and confidence in who God is and, who his and of his character and that what he's done for you in the past. That I can rejoice in the Lord because he didn't leave me to my sin. I can have joy in the Lord because he has always provided when I've needed him to show up in ways that I, that I didn't want. Like I, I remember praying things and, and I expected it to be this way, but God showed up and I can have joy in the moment because I know God has seen me through the valley. So be joyful. My second point this morning, if you're taking notes, it's pray without ceasing. And I ask this question, does it mean that I ought to be praying every single second of every single day nonstop? I should always be in this space of prayer and this mindset of prayer. And, and I mean, if, if that's what you want to try to do, more power to you. But I don't think that's what Paul is saying because I look at people like Paul and it doesn't look like he, every second of the day, that he's in an intentional space of prayer. I look at Jesus, and Jesus doesn't look like he was in a, an intentional space of prayer. He might have been because he's way better than any of us. But I look at these people like Paul and Peter and the other disciples. They're not constantly in this spot, not in this, on their knees, praying to God constantly, nonstop, because none of this would have happened if they did that. But the word without ceasing is often used um, as something that is done repeatedly, but not constantly. 
Like it's not like from nonstop from start to finish, but it's something that's done repeatedly. That in other texts it's used to, this word in the Greek is used without ceasing, is used to um, explain a hacking cough. Like something that just happens repeatedly. Like that person just has a cough that never goes away. They're, they're constantly coughing. And we know in reality that they're not constantly coughing, but it's just something that happens constantly. Or they use it to talk about um, military attacks. They attacked without ceasing. That they attacked, they regrouped after some time, and then they attacked again. Again and again and again. And we're called to pray without ceasing. So what does it look like to be unceasing in prayer. I know there's some things in my life like, um, I went to college. I have student loans. Just put that out there. Um, and what this, this, they think that this word to pray without ceasing is to mean to constantly go back to God asking for something. I remember when I first got out of college and I looked at like that Sally Mae bill and I was like, whoa. And I was praying without ceasing that God would just delete it. Like, we'll see these things. These people want to like hack like oil companies and stuff like that. I'm like, why can't you hack Sally Mae, man, and just hit the delete button? Like, why can't you just get rid of some of these student loans? Like, it doesn't have to be all of them, just the big ones. You know, you can keep the, the tiny ones. I'll, I'll pay those off and I'll talk about how great I was with my finances and so diligent and paid them off. But I would pray without ceasing. I would pray without ceasing, like, God, please just delete it. I, just, I pray that I open my credit card my account, and there's, it just says debt, and it says zero. It says credit accounts, and it says zero. That is all gone. But God, if you're going to delete my student loans, can you get my mortgage too? <laughs> I would pray without ceasing. I still pray for it. And the example I would use constantly in my head was Luke 18, 1 through 8. And it says this, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always, they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, "In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, "Give me justice against my adversary." For a while, he, for a while, he refused. But afterwards, he said to himself, "Excuse me, though I never, I've neither fear God nor respect man. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice." so that she will not beat me down for her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. This woman was unceasing. She continued to pursue, and I believe that's what praying with, without ceasing looks like. It's continually going to God, to getting in his presence, to go and, and ask him for that same thing over and over and over again, to always be praying, to not stop. And Jesus says, if the unrighteous judge would do this for this woman, how much would your good father do for you? That that God wants you to continue to badger him with these prayers, to pray without ceasing, to continue to come to him, to continue to get on your knees, to continue to ask. He wants you to. It's his heart for you. He loves you and he wants to hear from you because what bothers you bothers God. So pray without ceasing. It's constant, consistent 
in our prayer. And I believe this, that rejoicing always and praying without ceasing season are connected. Because if we're going to be joyful always, we're having a trust in who God is. I believe that prayer is the language of trust. Like I have somebody, if I have something going on in my life, I'm going to go to somebody who I trust. If I need something, I'm going to go to somebody that I trust. And I'm going to continually go to that person if I trust them. And with praying without season is we are saying that we trust God. Prayer is the language of trusting that God, who God is, and what he's going to do. But how do we pray without season? I just three quick little things. We have to make prayer who we are. We have to be a prayerful people. So this is what I, these are the three points that I wrote down for myself. Realize that you can't do life without God. The first way that you can start being a more prayerful person is realize your dependence on God, to have a relationship with him, to communicate with him, to talk with him. To, prayer is simply communicating with God. I can't have a relationship with my wife if I never talk to her. And we can't have a relationship with God if we're never pursuing him and, and in a relationship with him, communicating with him. The second thing is when, when you think about praying for something, don't say you're going to do it later. Do it in that exact moment. When somebody asks you to pray for them, don't say, oh, I'll do that in my prayer time. No, stop. Even if it's in the middle of Walmart, the Walmart Supercenter, you're over by the ground beef, stop and pray for them. Let's be those Christians that are praying without ceasing. And the third thing is create a specific and intentional spaces in your life to spend time in prayers in the example of Jesus. Jesus would go to a, a desolate place and be alone. That's a great way to start to be a prayerful person is to create intentional spaces where we, can, where we know that while I'm here, I'm going to spend time in prayer. Maybe for you that means like you flip one of those little timers out of a board game and say, I'm just going to pray until that thing runs out. Or you light a candle and nothing's going to interrupt me while that candle is lit. Or maybe it's just like you have to go hide in the bathroom and pretend like you're using the bathroom. Like and just lock the door and go hide in there and pray. But be intentional and specific in your space for prayer. So we're called to rejoice always and pray without ceasing. And the last thing that Paul has in here is give thanks in all circumstances. So I asked, does it mean that I have to be thankful for everything and anything that happens? Do I have to be thankful for the tragedy that happened? Do I have to be thankful for the hard times? Do I have to be thankful for the good times? Do I have to be thankful for this and for that? What does it look like to be thankful in all circumstances? Do I have to be thankful that when I get a flat tire, I have to look at the tire and be like, man, you are so beautiful. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so, I'm so glad that, like, you're flat and you didn't fly off. Like, I'm just, I just love you so much. You're so squishy right now. Um, do I have to be thankful for that? Do I have to be thankful for when my kid gets sick? Do I have to be thankful for when a family member gets sick? Do I have to be thankful when nothing works out? But I don't think being thankful doesn't mean that you must be happy or accept every situation without prayer. Like, we're called to be thankful. But that doesn't mean you have to be happy about what's going on. And that you aren't going to go to God with unceasing prayers asking him to fix it. It's not blind acceptance of everything that we go through. But again, we don't have to feel thankful to give thanks. Because, again, we don't walk by, we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. That we're not living this life just based off how we feel and, and what's going on in our life at this uh, like exact moment, but we're walking our life 
through a lens of faith of what Jesus has done for us. So when the difficult, the difficult situations are, or you're going through a trial in life, we don't have to be thankful because of that thing or that because we feel like it, but we have to be thankful because of who God is. See, I'm not thankful for the circumstances, but I'm thankful for the one who's standing next to me in the circumstance. I'm not thankful for the tragedy, but I'm thankful for the one who gets down and is weeping with me while I weep. I'm not thankful for all the, the tough things that are going on, but I'm thankful for the one who's going to see me through it. See, I think that being thankful is not being thankful for the circumstances, but it's being thankful that you're in God's hands. That he is not going to leave you on your own. There, um, in Genesis, we, we all know of Joseph in Genesis. Joseph is a guy who his family sold him into slavery. Uh, when he gets to Egypt, he gets thrown into jail and slowly rises to power in Egypt. And the time comes that a famine hits the land and his family is standing back in front of him. Um, and he has the power to turn them away or let them let them survive. Like, if he turns them away, they're going to die. There's, no, there's a famine. He, and Joseph is wise, and, and he was well-loved and respected in Egypt. And he has this line in Genesis 50, um, verse 20. It says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. It's in this statement we can see that Joseph saw God as good and trustworthy. That even in Joseph's hardest circumstances, he can look back and he can be thankful for it because he was never out of God's hand. That when it looked like the world was trying to kill him and destroy him and get rid of him, literally his family wanted to get rid of him, but God preserved him. He can stop. It's this moment that we see that Joseph is, the way that Joseph saw God, that God was bigger than the circumstances that he was going through that he was trustworthy, that God was stronger than what he was going through, that, that God is worth putting his trust into, that even through it all, he, all that he'd been through, he knew God was sovereign and all that. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. See, what we can do when we want to be thankful in all circumstances, it's not we're thankful for the circumstance, but we're thankful for God that what the world may mean for evil, that God is going to mean for good, that I love saying that your pain, God can give your pain a purpose, your past a purpose, that, that nothing is wasted in Christ Jesus. And I also think that thankfulness is a change of heart. That if we look at another thing that Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, um, verses 3 through 4, it says this, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetedness must not even be named among you as it is proper among the, state, the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude jokes, which are, not, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. It's such a weird thing that Paul is saying all these, these sinful things. God is, Paul is saying, like, let there be no sin among you. Let there be thanksgiving. It's a weird thing to, 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 to read, because it's normally like, don't be sinful, be righteous. Don't, don't, do, like, don't do bad things, but do good things. But, but Paul is saying, don't do these sinful, selfish things, but rather give, be, give thanksgiving, be thankful. 
And what I realized is that being thankful, thankful, having thankfulness is a change of heart. Being thankful is a change of heart. It's a, my sin is all about me. And the things that, that Paul lists here are, are selfish pursuits of the flesh. And he said, but rather be thankful. And what I realized this is that Paul is telling him in this moment is to replace your selfishness with thanksgiving. Replace your sinfulness with thanksgiving. Because here's the thing, a grateful heart isn't selfish. That if we can look at what everything that God has given us, that we can, we can see all the things that waves we've been blessed and who God is and how we can have joy in him, that we can pray to him without ceasing, that we can be thankful, we can be in every circumstance that the way to do that is to be grateful. It's not to pursue the things that we have, but it's to pursue the things that God has for us, that, that we see that God has blessed us in this way and that way. We're not pursuing the things of the world and the people around us, but we're thankful for who God has called us and created us to be. That, to cast away these things, but to be thankful. And I think that's so opposite of the way the world talks about being thankful. Like, we're going to sit around our Thanksgiving table in a week or two. And some of us are going to say the things that we're thankful about. And it's going to come to me, and I'm going to say something so silly and just like I'm thankful for the blade of grass in my backyard. Like, just because I'm a rebel at heart. I get it from my dad. He used to always say he's thankful for the gravy, and he hates gravy. Um, but we're going to sit around this table, and people are going to say the things that they're thankful about. And we live in a world that's so concerned with the, ourselves that we're going to say things that we're thankful for the, for the things that we've pursued in our own lives, that, that we're thankful for the things that we've pursued in our own selfishness at times. We're, we're thankful for the things that, in the end of the day, don't matter to eternity, don't matter to the kingdom. But, what, but true thankfulness, I think true thankfulness that, that Paul is talking about is one that doesn't think about the self but thinks about God. So that as we are thankful, we're not thinking about all the things that we've accumulated for ourselves, but we think about all the things that God has done for us. It's not about me being thankful for being such a hard worker, but it's me being thankful that God worked hard for me. That Jesus died on a cross so that I could live. It's not chasing after the things of this world, but it's chasing after God. And Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is what is for you if you are in Christ. And I believe truly down, deep down in my soul, that you will never experience true joy and true thanksgiving and experience a true relationship with God um, if we're not in Christ Jesus. That this is God's will for us in Christ, that we'll never be able to experience these things. We'll never know what true joy is, and we'll never know what it looks like to be thankful. We'll never know what it looks like to have a relationship with God without Jesus. So if there's any of us today that are not in Christ Jesus, I want to encourage you to to step into the life that God has for you in Jesus. That we can't do this life alone. That that this life, we are the, the life that we are called to be, to be joyful people, to be prayerful people, and to be thankful people can only be found in Jesus. So, church, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much. 
God, we thank you that the life we are offered in Jesus is way bigger and way better than any life that we could ever imagine for ourselves. God, it might not always be the easy life, but it's the best life. So God, I pray that we would just be joyful people, that we'd be prayerful people and we'd be thankful people, God, that we would look at you, God, and all this just simply boils down to that. We could look at you and we can know that the God of the universe is a good God and that we are going to trust you. And my joy is in who you are. I can continue to pray because because you are a good God and I trust you. I can be thankful because even as evil comes against me, you can make it for good. That God, you can give my past a purpose. You can give my pain a purpose. God, that you can restore me and that you love me and that I do not have to do this life alone. So Father, we just we thank you again. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the scriptures, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.